Welcome to the I2 Podcast. Our passion is to see the influence in everyone lead to impact everywhere. I'm so excited to jump into our episode today. Are you ready? Let's go. Excited for today's podcast. Can't wait to jump into all that we're going to be discussing and talking about. And definitely today get to talk with one of my favorite hmm. people on the planet. Come on. Uh, by far one of the <laughs> most, come on, he's saying, one of the most influential people uh, in my life and is, is really even the reason that this podcast exists to see everyone use their influence, their God-given influence to, to see God-sized impact in the world mm. around us. And uh, so, so excited to invite my dad into the room, into this yes. conversation today. Dad, welcome. Hey, it's great to be here, Josh. Thank you. Good to see you. Glad we have to set up times like this just to get together and <laughs> That's right. have some conversations <laughs> these days with so much going on. Yep. But can't wait to just jump into what we're going to talk about today. But also, mm. just want to share with those who are listening, Dad, 30 years ago, you started our nonprofit Abide, yep. which focuses on revitalizing our inner city one neighborhood at a time. You started our church 10 years ago, Bridge Church. You've worked with pastors, right. leaders for a lot of years, have seen a lot of incredible work. And it's just cool to see the story mm. that God has been telling through your life and, and really you now helping others like myself live out that same story to impact uh, the world. So I want to start at the yeah. beginning. Okay. And because obviously we didn't, this didn't just all happen, but there's right. been a story that God has been telling. And mm-hmm. and you grew up in Iowa. I don't know if you Come like on. that or not. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> but you grew up in Iowa. And uh, just tell us a little bit about your upbringing, small town Iowa, uh, rural community. What type of environment was that that you grew up in? Yeah, so I grew up in a little rural community, Defiance, Iowa, population 300. Come on, all 300. Um, <laughs> you guys probably all knew each other. We did. A lot of relationship. We all looked alike. It was a, a great, tight-knit, small community, yep. which uh, in the 60s and 70s is when I grew up, 1960s and 70s. And um, the majority of the population in the United States actually lived in rural that grew up like me. Yeah. Um, now today... The majority, 60 to 70 percent, live in urban. So it's been a huge shift. But yeah. grew up in rural Iowa, great farming community, hard work ethic, uh, large family, eight kids plus mom and dad, uh, always attended church, always was there working together with other people in the community. Eight, eight kids. Where did you fall in that lineup? So I'm number five. Number five. Kind of in the middle. Yep. Okay. So small town, most of your siblings, did they go to college? Did they stay in the, the community? Yeah, so growing up in rural Iowa back in the day, I mean, there was no such thing as college. Your expectation was to get through high school so you could read and write and do the basics and uh, get a job, get married, and raise a family. And that's what my family really believed in. So education was not part of our life. So out of eight kids, I am the only one that went on to college. Wow. And it was because of sports that got me there initially, but... uh, to this day, I'm the only one that actually went to college out of our family. Thank, thankful for that. And you passed on the sports genes to some <laughs> yeah, of right. us, and it helped us to some degree. But you grew up rural town, kind of sports took you out. Yep. Talk to me about just the faith side of things. You guys were part of, of going to church, Catholic church. But what did faith kind of, how did that play a role in your life growing up? Yeah, I know it was a big part of our life. I mean, um, you know, the Bible talks about in Romans 2 that even the very things of creation communicate God. And so when you're in rural communities, not around man-made structures, not around like, like a concrete uh, environment, 
you see creation. And so there was a God-fearingness in mm. our family, especially, and in our whole community. Yeah. So church attendance was consistent, regularly. I went to parochial school, Catholic school, all the way through eighth grade. Um, and God was very important. Had wonderful experiences growing up uh, where God was very important mm. and uh, part of our lives. Yep. So you go to college. Obviously, you go there on a basketball scholarship. You start to... Um, get involved. I'm sure mm-hmm. you, you got engaged in all the faith-based Christian <laughs> community on your college campus. Is that what happened? Hey, I was a typical college student that got to college, and before you knew it, I was uh, engaged with all the fraternities. I became the president of our fraternity, the party scene, the fun scene, with the sports team. We were on the, on the same floor yep. on campus and uh, had a lot of fun. But I did recognize something. Again, if, if you can imagine a couple of years of just really getting involved, um, I realized that the faith that I really was carrying was my parents. Mm. I had not taken ownership of it. And so by the time I got to college, I had stopped going to church. Yep. And, and, and so you're in college, you're having fun, you're exploring, but then you have a pretty radical experience. Yeah. Something happens with your family, your sister, God really uses it to get your attention. Talk about that point in your life. Yeah, I think I was coming, it was about my junior year in uh, college where obviously I had been a part of the party life. I had uh, received certain accolades. I was doing well in sports, had all the friendship. But I remember waking up with hangovers after getting drunk the night before and thinking to myself, man, there's got to be more to life. And it was during that time as well, my junior year, where my sister, age 27, died of cancer. Mm. And that really scared me. I remember going to the funeral and just thinking about what's beyond death. And I didn't know how to handle death. And so it was during that time that uh, God really started getting my attention. You also talk about, I remember a story of um, one of your brothers Mm -hmm. who had an encounter and God got a hold of his life and his life started to change. And and you go to visit him and to stay with him. Yeah. Tell us that story. Yeah. So a brother who's um, my older brother, he's right, he's child number four, but uh, older brother. Um, He was in the party scene just like I was, but uh, he was in the city Omaha um, living his life. And all of a sudden, he had a, an encounter with Christ that changed him. Mm. He started talking about Jesus. I didn't quite know what he was meaning, but he started going to church all the time, reading his Bible. And I saw his life change. He had a hope. He mm. had a sense of fulfillment that was pretty attractive to me, but I didn't quite understand it. Yep. And so it was during the death of my sister that I just started asking questions. And then sure enough, over the summer, would actually spend time with him. And so it was through him that he invited me to this new church that he was going to. Mm. And it was there that I began to hear from the Bible in ways that I'd never heard before. Mm. Did, did you have a point in time during this season as you're exploring and God is showing you some things where you had to come to a point where you made a decision? Yeah. And, and really uh, not just uh, put faith as something that was important to you, yeah. but really make Jesus and faith central to your life. That's exactly the, that's exactly the way I put it. Uh, I had never really taken ownership of my own faith. Yep. My parents loved me. They did the best for me. Um, but it was obvious that uh, God and faith was maybe one important things in my life, but yep. not the central thing in my life. And the more I was around my brother, the more I went to this church and heard the pastor share about having a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm. That was a radical concept because God was somewhere up in the sky. Right. I knew he existed. I knew he created everything. He was up there. I was down here. But to actually have an encounter and experience where I would surrender 
complete control of my life and allow him to come and live inside of me and run my life. Mm. I mean, I, when I made that decision, I experienced Jesus mm. in a way that I had never experienced him before, and it radically changed my life. Yep. Yep. I tell people it was almost like putting a new sign around my neck under new management. Yeah. All of a sudden, going from God being important to God being central, where I'd build my entire life around Him and His plans for my life instead of my plans for my life, that was radical. So good. You, the, the Bible talks about the fruits of mm, the Spirit. Yeah. And how our life starts to bear different fruit when Jesus is at the center of our lives. How did your life look differently? What were some of the things that started to change immediately? What were some of the things that maybe people started to see you and started to say, man, there's something different about the way he's living his life today? Yeah. Well, it starts with the motivation of your heart. And I know at the motivation of my heart, all of a sudden, I move from these are the plans I have for my life to what does God want for my life? And to begin to read the Bible, that was another huge shift. I mean, I had read the Bible periodically, once in a while, mostly listened to other people talk about it, but actually I desired to read the Bible. And that, sure enough, that's what it says in First Peter 2, too. Mm. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of God's Word. Yep. And sure enough, I just started devouring the Word. Mm. And so it was interesting, but uh, as I went back to college, all everybody around me called me this Jesus freak. I didn't yeah. know what that meant because I hadn't heard that language. But I knew I'd fall in love with Jesus, mm. and I wanted to tell everybody. Wow. And so when I went back to college, I'm leading all these Bible studies. I didn't know there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> I just know yep. I met Jesus, and he did yeah. something powerful in my mm. life. Yep. It's so funny, just looking back over the different iterations in communication of Christianity, yeah. the term Jesus freak. I mean, I remember when that like, yep. was a big deal. Right. And we look down upon it probably today because it comes off very strong, mm-hmm. but it represented something. I yep. mean, you had a reputation for somebody who had encountered Jesus, yep, and uh, it made you look like a freak to some, <laughs> to some people on the outside. That's right, yeah. You, you know, we're, we're obviously passionate about making a difference yes. and a yes. life that uh, is, all, is about impact. God gives us influence so that we can impact the world. Right. But I think it's so huge, and we spent time talking about your, your story leading up to really your personal encounter with Jesus. Yep. Because it really builds the foundation for a life of impact. That's I mean, exactly right. Before Christ, we can do some good things, but we can't live out the God-given purpose and design that He's created us for. Right. And so you're going through life. You get to this point. You have this conversion experience. You invite Jesus to be at the center of your life at probably one of the lowest points and times in your life, which yep. God consistently uses to get our yep. attention. Yep. But he starts to redirect your life mm-hmm. and starts taking you on this this journey. And I know you meet mom in college and you guys end up getting married. But you come to Omaha, Nebraska. You start to work as a chemical engineer. You're a part of a church. Talk yep. about that season of your life. You're pursuing God. You're connected to a local church. You're working as a chemical engineer. Yeah. So becoming a Christian at college and and. Obviously, mom, my wife, she became a Christian shortly thereafter. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were just starting to grow in our faith. And so working as a chemical engineer for eight years gave me an opportunity to be a part of churches, to be a part of reading the Bible and really growing in my faith. Mm-hmm. But I would have to consistently say that being a part of these churches, it was constantly about my personal relationship with God. Um, I loved being able to share my faith with other people. I loved being able to engage other people. But typically, it was about me and Jesus, and Mm -hmm. me and Jesus and my family. And so it was very personal. I mean, 
God and me got personal, yeah. which is the beginning. Yeah. And that was where I was at in those first eight to 10 yep. years. Very, very, I heard somebody recently say it was a very vertical relationship. Yeah, that's right. It was between you and, and, and God. So you, you're building this relationship with God. You're going to church. You're engaged. But something unsettling mm-hmm. starts to happen inside of you. Yep. Talk about what that was and what you felt like God was leading you towards. Yeah. So while I was part of church, I was very much involved in everything they had to offer, growing in my relationship with Christ. But I just felt like there was more. I felt like I needed to do something. Today, I would say I felt like I needed to change the world. I didn't have that language back then. But I wanted to do something other than just have a job, raise a family, go to church. I knew there was more. And God obviously started stirring our hearts to the degree where we got to the place where we thought we'd be missionaries overseas. And so we had sold our houses and sold everything, getting ready for that next step. Yeah, so so you're getting ready. God is speaking to you guys. You're getting ready to take the next step. I I know there's so many people in a similar season Mm. or a similar situation. They just, they know there's more than just going to church and just the life that they're living. As you started to explore the next steps... What did that process look like for you? Did yeah. Who were people you talked to? What were some of the prayers, maybe scriptures that God showed you or, or things that really helped you through that season? Yeah, in the season of selling all and in the season of getting ready to actually take that step, I obviously talked to my pastor several times. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, uh, my pastor didn't quite know what to do with me. Mm. Um, he definitely understood where I was coming from. Um, but didn't quite know what to do with me. And uh, most people I talked to didn't quite know what to do with me yeah. uh, because I would talk about leaving chemical engineering and all the high salary and selling the house in the suburbs and don't, going doing something else. And most people thought, wow, that God's blessing on your hand. Why would you leave all of that? Right. So th- initially, you know, there was all this kind of not unsurety. I mean, I just didn't quite know because people around me didn't quite know. Right, right. So, so you're doing this, though. You're pursuing it. You feel like God's calling you. And then, I mean, you really just, you get to a point mm-hmm. where it's like, now or never. Yeah, you jump. You got to jump. You've got to yeah. go all in. Where did you jump to? Yeah. Where, where, what doors did God open up? And just how did that part of the process unfold? Right. I think jumping is a good analogy because the truth is when you jump, you you don't fully know what's going on, right? So like in our case, we thought we were going to be missionaries overseas. I applied to five mission organizations. Every one of them rejected us. We sold our house and we had to move somewhere and there was no house in the suburbs to rent to us because we were only going to be there a short time and we had five little children. So most people didn't want to rent to us. Mm. An abandoned house full of roaches and rats became available in the inner city here in Omaha, that I could move in for free if I wanted to. <laughs> yep. Yeah, my wife and I said, yeah, right, we are not doing that. And yet, two months later, that's exactly where God moved us. Yeah, here talking with my dad and just hearing his story on how God started to use his influence to impact the world around him. One thing I didn't mention earlier is, is that dad's also an author mm-hmm. and has written several books, one of them, Out of the Seats, Into the Streets. One of the chapters in that book is titled Roaches and yeah, Rats that's right. and, and really describes the journey that God mm-hmm. took you on. Also, uh, author of the book, Church Different, Doing Church Different, and really the heart to see the church be a part of change yeah. in the world around us. And so talking about your journey, you get to this place of unsettling. I love that we talked about you just have to jump because mm-hmm. I, I know there's so many people I talk to 
that are waiting for that perfect picture right? and waiting for God to give them that strategic plan. And in, in our culture and our world, you don't make decisions mm. without the strategic plan, right. without having everything planned out. That's right. But in faith, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we can't see. Right. So we do sometimes have to jump into the unknown. And so you guys get to a place, you jump into the unknown, you move to North Omaha. Mm-hmm. The place that at one point in time, you and mom discussed, that was the place you didn't want to move into. That's right. Because it was full of crime and violence and chaos. Mm -hmm. And God moves you there. You're obedient. You jump in. What did the first month, two months in that community look like for you? Well, the first six months was revolutionary to our lives, to our faith. So we moved into this community that we were very fearful to live in. And in the course of the first six months, we had all these encounters where we met individuals that were going to commit suicide. Mm. I heard my first gunshots in that community, dialed 911 for the very first time in my life. Uh, I opened the door to let a young lady run in because her boyfriend was chasing her with a knife Mm. to kill her. I mean, all of these circumstances. stuff you experienced like (laughs) in rural Iowa, right? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Your, your chemical uh, engineer background prepared you for oh, all this, yeah, right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah, exactly. And so all these encounters began to show me a mm. brokenness in the world that uh, I just had not realized. I mean, yep. to be honest, when I was in the suburbs previously, if something happened in this community, I would just kind of roll over in bed and say, oh, those people, if they mm. would just do something different, they wouldn't have all these problems. And now I'm living in this community, and I'm meeting these people firsthand and God uses these people to mm. break me. I tell people all the time, if I ever moved into the inner city to transform the brokenness of the inner city, what a joke is because the brokenness of the inner city transformed me. Which is so, again, countercultural because mm-hmm. we think uh, our calling is going to be consistent with who we are right. and we're going to give something to the world, which, which God... I do believe empowers us, gives us influence so that we can give and so we can make a difference. But part of our calling is because of not only what God wants to do through us, but what he wants to do in us. Yeah. And so you get there those six months, you have all these experiences. Now it's been 30 years of living in this community. Talk about just that that process of even 30 years. And I know there's been points, again, you talk about this in your book, Out of the Seats into the Streets, but points where you wanted to stop. Yeah, And points where it was so tough, you you almost ask, God, is this you? Is this me? I mean, why would you call me to a place that's so broken and so difficult, so challenging? Talk about that. Well, I can can reference it in the early on days when I got next to this brokenness, and this brokenness broke me. Mm. I realized something powerful in our Christian journey, that Christianity really has two parts— Kind of like breathing, you inhale and you exhale, right? But Christianity has two parts, and I'd only experienced one part, Mm. and that's where I had this personal relationship with Jesus because I had invited Him into my heart, right? All of a sudden, by being around this brokenness, I sensed that Jesus was inviting me into His heart, that I would go from a personal relationship to a purposeful relationship, Mm. and I began to see brokenness around me, and now I began to recognize that God wanted to use me to make a difference in the lives of people around me. Mm, so good. It's so good. Sometimes we stop at the inviting Jesus into our heart. Right. Yep. And it just stays personal. 
and and we really believe God's got a purpose for us. Yep. But that purpose involves us stepping out, and it not just being about me and Jesus, but right. it being about what Jesus wants to do th- through me for the world. Yep, that's exactly right. I remember for for years I thought. <laughs> In, in just understanding my calling, that it would be, there would be a level of comfort mm-hmm. because I would be doing what I was gifted and wired yeah. and created to do. And, and you look through scripture and, and Jesus never said it was going to be easy. Right. He didn't say your calling was going to be comfortable. I mean, Jesus going to the cross, yep. he says three times, if you can take, if this cup can pass from me, yeah. let it pass from me. But I love that. I want your will to be done. Not that's my exactly will. right. Yeah, and that's the prayer of of all of us who want our lives to matter and live for something greater. That's than right. Just ourselves. Yep. Amen. I love the power too of of just proximity. Mm-hmm. And when you get close to the brokenness yep. in your city, in our city, in the mm-hmm. world, yep. God uses it to break our hearts. Yep, He does. And sometimes that brokenness creates fear to where we don't want to get close to it. Yep. Or sometimes we're waiting for God to tell us where to go. But there's something powerful about just finding the brokenness, getting next to it, yep. and allowing it to speak to us. Yeah. Talk about that. Well, you know, it's so interesting because if we're not careful, and this was my journey for the first 10 years, Christianity was about being nice and good, right? And uh, this idea of getting better, I'm getting better, I'm growing in my faith. I guess we have to ask ourselves, what does that really mean, right? I've come to realize that it's not about getting better. It's mm. about getting different. Mm. That when Jesus changes you, he can use you to change the world. Yeah. That's a radical concept. Yep. And that's what happened to me. It, it was this idea that I wasn't just getting better. I was placing myself in unfamiliar positions and places where Jesus had to show up, otherwise I was in trouble, mm. right? Yeah. And when you do that, that's where faith Your really steps goes in. goes to the next level. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I tell people all the time, I said, you know, I prayed uh, all the time. I taught on prayer. I preached on prayer. But when I got in some of these circumstances yeah. where my life was on the line, I really learned how to pray. Right, right. <laughs> and that's where you learn how to trust God. Yeah. See, far too often, I was living in these comfortable places where I didn't, ha- I didn't need to trust God. Yep. You know, I had a good paycheck because, you know, I was a good engineer. Mm-hmm. I had a nice house, nice family. And, but when I all of a sudden moved into a place where I got next to brokenness, got into positions of discomfort mm. where Jesus had to show up, I'm telling you what, number one, he does show up. But number two, in showing up, he changes us. And that's powerful. So good. If you're listening here, talking to my dad, Ron Dotzler, author, leader, father of 14, 17 grandchildren and counting, amazing man. You know, as people are, are, are listening, and I'm sure some of them feel the way you felt early on. Yeah. Like, man, God is, I feel like I'm called to do something more. I feel like there's... There's a purpose that I was created for. I feel called to impact the world in some way. I don't know yeah. what it is. What would you encourage them to do as a next step? Yeah. I think a couple things come to my mind. Number one, <laughs> without taking too much time, we often talk about faith being nonsense. Yeah. It's a whole different world. You yeah. know, we've been taught to make sense of the world through our five basic senses, mm-hmm. right? Sense of smell, touch, taste, sight, hearing. Faith is not one of those, so it's a nonsense. And in light of that, we have to learn this new language in talking with God. It's through the the language of faith and hope and love, right? And so that dimension of faith, 
the first thing I would say to individuals that are kind of feeling this tug in their heart is lean into faith, lean into studying faith, talking yeah. to people about faith, being around people who've taken steps mm. of faith. Yes. You know, far too often we're very strong in our explaining of Scripture. Mm. We need more experiences. So yep. get next to people who've experienced God, who've mm. taken steps of faith, and allow their faith to kind of rub off on you, mm. right? But then number two, get next to brokenness. You will be amazed at how God will use brokenness to really cause some shifts and some guidance in your life as far as next steps. Again, we're not going to know what our next steps are by trying to get all this understanding mm. and laying out this incredible strategy and this yep. plan of attack, right? Mm-hmm. That's how our world operates. Yep. Faith is not one of those. And so by leaning into faith, you're definitely getting around people who are people of faith. You're definitely growing in understanding of God's Word, what faith is really all about. But number two, you're getting next mm. to brokenness. And through that, God will cause your faith to elevate, and he'll start giving you some guidance. Come on. Mm. Come on. Well, I know we could, <laughs> we could keep on going. Yep. It's good. But this, is, this has been so good. And I just appreciate even the practical next steps. I know... I mean, you you are the reason that I'm able to express my faith mm. and even this idea of what I2 is all about and seeing people use their influence to impact the world, right. being in a home where it was modeled before us. Mm. I, I knew even when I was playing basketball in front of 17,000 fans at Creighton, I want to live for something bigger than myself. Yeah, amen. And I want to impact the world around me. Yep. And then to grow up in the community that we grew up in. And, and experience the the negative side, the yeah. crime, the violence, but to see how faith yep. can keep you there and God can use it and it doesn't have to instill fear right. of people or communities in you. It actually can instill a faith in God Amen. that says there's something bigger I love it. in life. So love your story. Thanks for sharing with us. Mm-hmm. I know that you through this, people are going to be inspired to use their God-given influence to impact the world. <laughs>